I update our investors on a very frequent basis. Hey, this is what our goals were in the beginning of the year. And this is how we're tracking towards our goals. Those investors that feel communicated to, that feel valued, they're so happy to jump in on the new fundraising round because they feel like they know where the organization is at. It's a very similar concept in church life. It's an exchange of value and trust. A pastor turned tech leader and a millennial churchgoer explore the intersection of technology, culture, and faith equipping you with innovative strategies to support you as you live out your calling, lead your churches with confidence, and step into the future together. This is the Give It Up Podcast. Okay, Vance. So I want to talk about financial transparency in churches. Yeah. And kind of safeguards churches should put up. Because we've talked about in so many episodes how millennials and Gen Z deeply care about what they're giving their money to Mm. and what's being done with the money. We've seen this from successful organizations like Charity Water, right? Yeah. Where they've actually tied people's giving specifically to a well that they can view live and they can view the launch of. Yeah. Right. Uh, That's pretty cool. Compassion's done it for decades, right? Uh, Where they tie you to a specific child. Yeah. I have um, actually my, my wife and I, we recently, uh, adopted a, a new kid through compassion to, to give towards. And it's a, it's a Filipino kid actually kind of looks like my son. So that was kind of weird. So everybody thinks it's like a family photo, but no, no, that's, <laughs> that's, that's compassion. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But on the, on the topic of compassion, whenever you give them a gift, whenever you give your child a gift, they send you a letter back from the kid, but they also detail exactly where every single dollar went. That's cool. And I think that's beautiful because that's, putting so much trust in, wow, I'm impacting someone and something through that. And I have been in churches before where they share a goal. So not even a full flesh vision. They share a goal and they don't say what the deadline is, mm. how much they're trying to raise or updates along the way. And that's frustrating to me, to be honest. I think if a member in the church is really requesting detailed financials, you've already lost, actually. Go on. Because the thing is that the impact of the giving should be so evident. Yeah. Right? It should be so evident that, hey, if you said that, you know, we're going to give to start a new campus, people should see the new campus started, you know? Yeah. If we're going to give towards a building, they should see a building, right? Um, And these things might seem obvious, and you can scale it up or down based on your context or your stage phase yeah. of where your church is at, but it should be evident. And so if it's not evident, are we uh, incorporating into our communications enough? Are we communicating, number one, yeah. to our church enough? Yeah. Are we uh, incorporating in a way that breaks through the noise? Yeah. Is it part of the Sunday worship experience where we do local updates, global updates on what's going on. Are we telling stories? Yeah. Stories move people. That's what captivate for sure. Captivates people. And so I do think that when people start getting into the line item phase of wanting to know, oh, I, I need a detailed financial statement now. Not saying that you shouldn't be ready to present that. All I'm saying is I think you've already kind of lost mm-hmm. if that's the game that you're playing. Yeah. Well, now you have permission to respond in kind to me on this, but like, am I wrong? For wanting to, if I know that a church or an organization has a certain goal, am I wrong for wanting to know updates of it, of like, where are we in that goal? Because quite honestly, it's my competitive nature. Like, I'm like, if I if there's a stretch goal, I'm like, how much more we got to go? I'm, I'm like pumped about it. 
You're definitely not wrong. Uh, I would say that that is common, you know, if there is going to be a, so let's, let's use a Silicon Valley lesson Mm -hmm. here. So overflow is a startup based in the Silicon Valley. We're a software company. We have investors. Yeah. Uh, what I do is I update our investors on a very frequent basis, Mm. right? Sometimes the cadence is monthly. Sometimes the cadence is quarterly, but they can expect to hear from me anywhere between six to 12 times a year and I specifically update them on, hey, this is what our goals were in the beginning of the year. Yeah. And this is how we're tracking towards our goals. Guess what? Anytime I am doing a fundraising round, those investors that feel communicated to, that feel valued, they're so happy to jump in on the new fundraising round because they feel like they know where the organization is at. Yeah. It's a very similar concept in church life, right? Is if the only time they're hearing from you regarding finances is once a year when the church really needs money, that's probably not the best way to cultivate generosity, yeah. right? Yeah. Because really it's an exchange of trust. Mm-hmm. It's it's an exchange of value and trust. And they're going to put a lot more value or they're going to unlock a lot more value if they have a higher level of trust. Yep. And trust is not built once a year. Trust is built consistently across the year. Yeah. And you know, they have websites out there for nonprofits specifically, like charitynavigator.org, where people are submitting input on how trustworthy an organization is. Sure. Obviously with churches, it's a different ballgame altogether. Different ball game. So it's completely your responsibility to show that you are breeding ground your for initiative. trust. initiative, yeah. 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 Now, this is a hot take I have, and we might disagree on it, and so we can talk through it, but- We disagree sometimes, but true. we still get along. That's right. <laughs> Agreed I would say this, we disagree, but then we refine our points of view respectively so we yeah. can come to a point of agreement. Yes. I actually don't agree with this. The whole let's agree to disagree. I think that's actually the point of division. I think that if you are in a disagreement about something, and this is actually a church thing, right? If you are in disagreement about something, let's say it's you know the team with their team lead or um, a staff member with their pastor or something like that. You should not rest to, hey, let's just agree to disagree. You should actually pursue a higher level of agreement. Yeah. So it's not wrong to disagree, but it's also not right yeah. to stay in disagreement, Yeah. right? You want to pursue unity, Yeah. right? And so- I like that. Go ahead. No, well, I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna say, I heard the phrase, it's not agree to disagree. What you're ultimately trying for is agree to disagree agreeably. Ooh. As in, we've come up with a common ground that even like though, that. so basically what That's you and I cool. did. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Um, so anyways, my hot take is around 990s, which uh. before I give it, can you give people an understanding of what 990s are? Yeah. So in the 501c3 space, yeah. charitable organizations are required to fill out and submit to the IRS a 990. It's basically um, an accounting and tax record. Mm-hmm. Uh, of how funds have been used and how it's allocated and things like that. Churches in America have a particular, um, you know, provision where they don't have to actually submit a 990. Yeah. So it's a bit of the wild, wild west out there for do you churches. Know, do you know why that is? Why did that provision happen to begin with? That's interesting. So this country was founded as a Christian nation on Christian values mm-hmm. and you know the local church has been a part of this nation's history since the beginning. Maybe it has to do with that. I okay. actually don't know the origin story yeah. of why that is, but yeah, that's what it is. Okay. 
Yeah. So honestly, the context for this is that my heart is so broken for all of these churches that are just crumbling Mm. when it comes to a lack of accountability. Right. And so- It's actually the number one reason for church failure, right? Is actually not moral failure. Yeah. It's a failure of finances. Yeah. And Seth Godin has this brilliant term that he calls putting yourself on the hook. Oh. And I think the same method could, dare I say, should be applied in a church context is just because you don't have to submit a 990, why not put yourself on the hook and put transparency, be front footed Mm. in your transparency and how much money's coming in, how much money's going out, where it's going and who it's going to. I'll take it one step further. Get your financials audited, even though you don't have to. What does that process look like? Yeah, so it actually is kind of an investment. It'll take like fifteen to twenty thousand okay. dollars to have fully audited financial books from an outside accounting firm, mm. where they will go through all of your accounting practices and your processes, and they basically write a letter um, saying, "Hey, we've audited this organization. They handle their finances through GAAP standards, which basically is the generally acceptable accounting practices," mm-hmm. um, and so. Ultimately, what an audit is, is to bless the financials saying, hey, what's represented in here is what is true. Okay. Um, it's not, uh, you know, false yeah. or misinformation. Yeah. And so that's what an audit is. If you don't have the 15 to 20 kid to invest into it, even though I think it's worth it mm-hmm. because you're being front footed, you're being proactive yeah. and that breeds trust, then you can w- do what's called a financial review, which is much okay. cheaper. It's a magnitude cheaper. It's maybe a couple thousand dollars. You can okay. hire an outside accounting firm. So they don't do the full gamut of what an audit would entail, but the financial review process is better than nothing, mm. right? Okay. And you did do the work of getting an outside accounting firm to look under the hood of your financials. There's also an organization called ECFA, the yeah. Evangelical Christian Financial Accounting Board, which is probably one of the highest standards that certain churches in America, to the tunes of thousands of churches at this point, adhere to. Again, these are all proactive me- measures. Yeah. If you listen to this as a church, will you get in trouble that you don't do any of these things? No, but maybe we should look from a perspective of not, okay, what's the bare minimum I can do? Right. But hey, where can I be proactive where it's going to breed trust in my organization. And actually, you know, submitting yourself to things like an audit will actually make you better. Right. So most of the time, it's not that, most of the time, literally, pastors, CFOs of churches, there's there's actually no ill intent. I mean, sometimes there is, but I would say that's the minority, not the majority. Yeah. Most of the time, there's no ill intent, but there might be ignorance. Yeah. And that's not to throw shade or shame um, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And a lot of times when you're a church plant, you're just starting out, maybe just a few years in, you don't have MBAs on your staff yeah. yet. Yeah. I'm not saying that, you know, churches shouldn't have those type of people. We should, we should hire top talent. Yeah. But if you don't have those type of people yet, you don't know what you don't know. So submit yourself to wise counsel, mm-hmm. to outside counsel in the area of finances, go above and beyond. It'll make you better and it'll make your organization more trustworthy. Yeah. I agree with that. And I think the deeper principle is, you know, (laughs) you've heard messages before where they're like, if God put on the screen up in front of us, everything that you've ever done, what would you think? You know, 
It, like you've heard examples like that before where it's right, like right, to right. scare you into like, are you living a biblical lifestyle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Those this- when the altar calls are really big. <laughs> exactly. If you got hit by a bus tomorrow. Right yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the concept is the same is if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I don't really want everyone to know. Well, maybe that's the first telltale sign that you should get on this because mm. that is how you set yourself up for success in your stewardship. Right. And that's what all this is about is, is stewardship. Mm. Is everyone going to read um, the financial, what's that thing at the end of the year? The annual report, right? Mm-hmm. The financial annual report. Sure. Maybe not. But the fact that you are willing to put it out there and say, hey, we know that this means a lot to a lot of people and we want to show you where it is, then I think that really would behoove the organization. And that's another way to build trust. Here's a pro tip. We will offer our financial statements to anybody who requests it that is a giver. Mm -hmm. And so there's people out there that are just wanting to, you know, be hateful. Right. Right. (laughs) And if they're not a contributor, if they're not a consistent giver, um, really, you know, they have no right. Yeah. Uh, So that's a little pro tip that you don't have to make your financials just available to anybody and everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, but those people that are supporting your organization that are consistent, faithful givers, um, you should make it clear yeah. that, Hey, there's a request process. Uh, we're happy to provide that by going through this re- request process. In addition to that, like I was saying earlier, if you have, um, and you know, it's funny because you were saying how not everybody's going to even read the financial statement. You know why? Cause not everybody knows how to read it. <laughs> yeah. And again, that's not to yeah. throw shade, but not everybody's an accountant. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is like, that is a good thing to have, but it's actually not the main, main thing. Okay. The main, main thing is that your church goes above and beyond to make it evident that people's investment, people's giving is in good hands yeah. because of this person's life changed because of this campus planted, because we started this outreach, because we responded to Maui's fire that literally is in history, one of the worst US fires that America has ever seen. Because we are um, active in our community, because we feed the poor, because we are engaged in civic engagement, because, you know, and so it should be so evident. Yes. It should be so evident that you are meeting the needs of the community, that you are seeing people saved and discipled, that you have small groups that are growing. Yeah. You know, what's healthy grows. Mm-hmm. And so if your finances are healthy, if your people are healthy, if your staff is healthy, it'll grow mm-hmm. and the impact should be evident. Yeah. And, you know, we're obviously talking about safeguards and I heard Mark Batterson and um, Rick Warren talk about Legends. This. Yes. And I, it, I was we so- We got to get uh, Pastor Mark Batterson on the pod. I would I was on a to. Zoom with him the other day and he is like the salt of the earth. He is the He's best so yeah. in Capitol Hill. It's DC. crazy. Okay, yeah. make a note. Team, marketing team. Hey, expansive marketing team. Marketing team for Mark. <laughs> there yeah. you go. So they both do a reverse tithe, which means- Wow, what does that mean? They are giving away 90% of their income and Ooh. living off the 10 that's admirable. And I was so inspired when I heard that, that I was like, I want to make that a practice in my life and literally like ratchet up the percentage points every year so that if I get to live this long, I'll be doing the same thing. 
the way that my bank account works, it d- doesn't work with that percentage yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, one percentage with point four is dependents, the time. I will say. Yes. Um, but that's admirable. Yeah. Wow. But it, but it's just really the same thing of putting yourself in a place where you're always uncomfortable because there's a God gap. I think mm. that's that's really what it all revolves around. And because we're talking about stewardship, I actually want to share this really fun fact with the listeners that's because fun. we found this last week at the time of recording this. And we're talking about processing fees and how we now offer the lowest cash processing fees yep. in the industry, Yep, which your givers would actually love to know that. They love knowing that stuff. They want every dollar maximized. Insofar as if you even give the option for people to pay the processing fees with their yeah, gift. We added that feature. We added the feature. Your overflow. That's so cool. And this was mind blowing that 48% of givers decided to cover to, the fees. Yes. That's crazy. That's crazy. Almost half without being provoked. Like it wasn't like a from stage. And it wasn't said, like default on, on the platform. Right. Like they had to explicitly check Toggle. it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So good. And, but I think that speaks to a deeper principle is that we care deeply. And if, if we know that that's a potential opportunity or option, we'll come alongside yeah, this that church, too. Um, that launched it not too long ago, they saw uh, almost 4,000 in savings. Um, in how long? Last month. In a month's right? time? So I don't do public math, but that's over $40,000 wow. annualized if they keep going on that trend, which is phenomenal. And a lot of people yes. are covering the fees on their recurring gift. And so they're covering the fee in perpetuity Beautiful. when you provide that option. Yeah. And so- the world of generous gets larger and larger. People are wired to give. People, yeah. if you just give them an opportunity, you make it easy through the platform. Uh, it's the easiest through Overflow, by the way. Shout out. Yep. Uh, people do it. Yeah. It's really inspiring. Yeah, it is inspiring. And honestly, that's why I wanted to have this conversation as a millennial churchgoer, because we care about this. We care about the church. That's why we're invested. That's why we're giving. That's why we give of our time. That's, that's why we want to be sowing into something that's bigger than us. And I think that when pastors and church leaders hear this, know that the work that you're doing is impactful. Come on. And along with that, your transparency is just as impactful too. Love that. Thanks so much for listening to the Give It Up podcast. If you want to receive even more insights on church innovation, culture, and giving, now you can sign up for free to be an Overflow Insider, where you'll receive exclusive content, discounts, direct access to Vance Roush to get your questions answered, and also invite-only access to our monthly fundraising leadership forums. Head to overflow.co backslash insider, or just click the link in our bio to sign up for free today. In order to get this podcast in the ears of even more church leaders, could you please subscribe and leave a review for the show? This tells the podcast players what people are enjoying and want to hear more of. And we are adamant about providing maximum value to even more church leaders. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.